0: Amen? The God is making some of you more and more beautiful all the time. Amen? And the older I get, the more I appreciate formalities and sermons. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for saving me, uh, helping me stay dignified. I want to thank my beautiful wife for 22 years of marriage. We're we're literally raising each other. Amen? (laughs) We're literally growing up together. I want to thank you. To, I want to thank the board who uh, allowed me to pastor this church, amen. Uh, and I want to thank the board of Chaplain Pete, Sister Natalie, Pastor Kenny, uh, Brother Malik, Pastor Raymond, and Sister Anna for working arm in arm with me. I want to thank um, uh, my parents, right? And so my mom's in heaven, but my dad is here, and He's looking handsome with his tie, amen. <laughs> I want to thank my whole family, my beautiful aunts and and uncles and everybody who is here. I want to thank the church and the partners who've been with us since the VONB days, right? I want to thank you guys. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sade and Ricky for growing up with us and sticking with us. Amen. even when they used to look at us it, like these are a bunch of Spanish boomers, what am I doing here, right? And, but I just thank you guys for your faithfulness, and, and I pray God to bless you guys like crazy. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank uh, my, my man who's not here right now and uh, keeping prayer, brother Durrell. I mean, I want to thank God for brother Durrell. You know, he goes through a lot of challenges, and you know, I just want to thank God that he he picks this church. He has a brother as a pastor. And so just keep, always keep Brother Durrell in prayer. When you have that extended time of prayer, just throw in Brother Durrell's name in there. Okay? I want to thank Brother Ramon for his faithfulness. Brother Ramon, he's always here. He's always faithful. Always thinking about the church. I want to thank all of you guys. I want to thank you guys. There's no church without you. The church is not the building. The church is the people. It's a bunch of people that have made a commitment for a season in their life to do a spiritual journey together. Yeah. And then, you know, just every time we come together, we try not to come together too much, but when we come together, we thank you that you take the time to come out. Sister Naomi came with Brother Zion. We know that's not easy, and we thank you, Sister Naomi. We thank you for that. We recognize that. The Pinellas come from the other side of Brooklyn. Fighting with traffic. Petey knows all the shortcuts. right? Oh, no, I go down Hick Street. I go on this and this light don't work. Just, this is, I, I say a prayer and I just grow. You know, and I just thank you guys for, you know, for all your sacrifices, people coming from other states. So today, my goal is just to reveal Christ. Just a, I'm not going to talk about anger management. I'm not going to talk about finances. I'm not going to talk about any topic. I'm just going to want to reveal Christ. Because all over they're celebrating, and I got some big ideas, right, and uh, I don't know if I gave, did you me the, the big ideas, oh, there we go, so I'm going to just leave this up, these are my big ideas I'm going to try to cover today, right, how the resurrection of Jesus changed everything, remembering the riches of Christ, the window of what God is like for inspiration and Im- imitation, and ask not what Christianity could do for you, but what you could do for Christ, mm-hmm. amen? Mm-hmm. And so let's get right into it. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen through fifteen. There's a version if you have your Bible app called The Message. The Message is written by a, a wonderful theologian pastor named Eugene Peterson. He's with the Lord right now, and he was a he had a wonderful spirit. He was a big brain for Jesus, but he had a big heart. Sometimes people with big brains don't have big hearts, because knowledge puffs up, right? And sometimes when people with big hearts don't always have big brains, right? And so, uh, and he he was one of those, you know. And he, he, he helped with a team of theologians kind of paraphrase the Bible in modern English. Amazing. And he says that in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, when you read 2 Corinthians, it's Paul writing to a church, his second letter to the church of Corinth, and that church was a hot, riggedy mess. <laughs> right? The whole church was a hot, riggedy really. mess. He always had to give them structure, yeah. right? And, and reminders, and gentle reminders. So he says this, Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, Jesus included everything in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. It literally split history between A.D., B.C. and A.D. It's the most important event in human history And it proves a few things. Number one, it proves Jesus, uh, it proves that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. He repeatedly said he was the son of God who came to die for our sins. And he did that. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most well-documented events in history. The Apostle Paul 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 to 8, he summarizes the gospel and he says this. For what I have, what I received, I pass on to you as a first importance. Anybody ever heard of uh, the first principles, right? And they teach it in physics and in business. And they say Elon Musk. And when you break down something to its its core purpose, right? So he goes, um, first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then the 12th. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of them are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he also appeared to James, and then all, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. So, so the resurrection proves Jesus' was who he said he was. The second thing, the resurrection proves that Jesus keeps his promises. In Matthew 16, 21, Jesus told his disciples that he would be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Because Jesus kept that promise, we can trust God for other promises in his word. And we can learn to claim the promises and God's word. That's one of the keys to having a prayer life is aligning your prayer life with God's promises. Another thing we learn from the resurrection the resurrection proves that there is life after death. Because of Jesus Christ's resurrection, we have hope for the future. And it's a hope that will not disappoint. The book of John, chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, Jesus says, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like anyone else, shall live again. He has given eternal life for believing in me and shall never perish. Amen. Jesus offers us eternal life. Now I'm gonna tell you a secret that pastors don't want you to know. You don't have to be sanctified and holy to have an eternal life. You could be a lifelong, struggling Christian. But if you if you say with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, You would be saved, and and that, and that mercy is a bit much for religious people. Yeah. But at the cross, the thief in the cross said, "Jesus, remember me." And Jesus says, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said, "Oh, shucks! I wish you would have went to the sixteen week abundant life course. Oh, I wish you would have got baptized. Oh man, I wish I wish you would have brought a suit. You looking raggedy. Mm. I wish you would have stopped cursing." I wish you would have joined this synagogue. I wish you would have joined Summit Israel Fellowship. No. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Thank you, Jesus. There is hope. And this hope helps us live with a certain joy and die with a certain dignity. Die with a certain dignity. Die with a certain level of poise. Dignity. And that our death will be a message to many people. Will be an encouragement to many people. Alright, so we see here the resurrection changes everything. Now now let's try to remember the, the riches of Christ. See, if I can boast about the Lord so well that you catch it in your spirit, you really catch it in your spirit, you won't have to try to love him the love will be born naturally. Now the love that you have may look different from Zadia, right? Zadia has certain gifts that she likes to serve the Lord with, but nevertheless, you will be doing a birthing of worship, a birthing of love, because you will realize that everything else does not compete with Jesus. The new car, that's a great tool, but it doesn't compete with Jesus. That house, it's a nice place to live, but it doesn't compete with Jesus. That relationship, that's, fun. that's nice here. You guys can go places together, but it doesn't compete with Jesus. There are riches in Christ that we can know, possess, and enjoy. See, the church is a really big thing in the cosmos because we are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are like Voltron. You ever remember Voltron? Right? And, and, and Christ is the head. And we are like the arms and the legs. And, and we are doing God's work. I'm going to show you a few things Jesus did in his life that we should endeavor to try to imitate. See, we don't understand how powerful we are, our identity, and, and, and our value as a church. Because we are looking at things in the natural. There's only a few of us. It's a little building. I'm tired. Where's the coffee? Why is it locked downstairs? <laughs> Who locked the door? On, <laughs> that devil's a liar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, brothers and sisters, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors. We're fighting from victory, not just for victory. Mm-hmm. It takes a lifelong to, a, a meditation to understand that. But when you get that, it's different. See, when you get that, you remember when you grew up a little bit at work, when you used to walk in, right, and say, I hope, I wonder if they like me. But then one thing, you begin to recognize your value. You can recognize your worth. And then you wonder, I, I, now you wonder, I wonder if I'm going to like them see there's a, a certain shift that happens inside you so as you learn a, a, a lifestyle the a shalom life of contemplation and consecration God will begin to renew your mind, you will begin to see the world differently, see yourself differently and see the providence of God differently Amen. and you go through the process of sanctification with a smile you will learn to fast from food to feast on the Lord. Yes. You will learn to say, I can't say that no more. I could say that, but I don't want to say that. Yeah, that's right. Come on, yeah. Come on now. But don't take my meekness for weakness. <laughs> like it's still lay on hands, right? <laughs> And you begin to have a shift in your consciousness, in your awareness. You begin to stop living in in a state of fear and desperation. You know, I I read somewhere, you know, uh, psychology on Instagram or something, that there's only two fears we're really born with. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Everything else is programmed to us. And so what I'm trying to say is that as you grow in Christ, you will begin to fear less. Not to be fearless and wild and crazy, but to fear less. You'll begin to change your personality. you begin to have the fruit of the spirit, just more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and what does that do to your face? Remember, you were born looking like your mother and father but you die looking like your decisions. I listen to the tape. <laughs> We are born looking like our parents, and we die looking like our choices and decisions. Wow. I'm sick of Christians t- You know, I- I'm sick of going to certain schools. Can I vent for a second yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a And, pre- and-, and look at problematic employees. And the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, that's a sister of the Lord. I'm like, no, Holy Spirit, I can't be. The Holy Spirit said, yes. And I look at the way they dress. I look at the little green Guinea Bible. Oh. I look at certain things they say and oh, holy vein. And I realize that sometimes the Christians in certain places are the most grouchy, most racist, most homophobic, most cheapest, pen stealer. <laughs> And I say, this can't be, fam. And I get mad at that pastor. I was like, tell your pastor we're going to shoot the fair one. <laughs> I need five minutes, right? No, but because people, we, we, we all grow old, but we have to learn to grow up. Yeah. And we have to learn to grow up in the things of God. Yeah. We have to start looking more like Jesus. Yes. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we're in the process of becoming who we are. I'm going to say that again. We're in the process of becoming who we are. Mm -hmm. It's a a, a thing, it's a ready but not yet thing. We are becoming who we are. We are conquerors, we are more than conquerors. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are ambassadors. We are daughters and sons of the king of kings and the lord of lords. But it takes a long time to get rid of the lies that are in our mind, Mm -hmm. that our culture told us, that the trauma did to us. You know, there was this thing called ACE score. Anybody ever heard of ACE score? It's a trauma-based scoring system, right? Mm -hmm. And I did it at work. And I said, "Oh, I can never do this at church. (laughs) Because they were like, oh, have you ever been this? Have you ever been that? Have you ever been that? And people, people, teachers and principals were crying because they didn't realize how much trauma they had. And so some of you have been through a few things. And it's not enough just to survive. Now it's time to flourish. Amen. And now it's time to grow up a little bit, to glow up a little bit, and to enjoy the things that God has for us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, remember, Jesus is the exegesis, explanation, and exposition of God. The greatest man in history. Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degrees, but they called him rabbi, teacher. He had no medicine, but they called him healer. He had no army, but the kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. Don't let the media get you twisted. Christians are still the biggest religion in the world, still the largest faith in the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. I wish I had the time to teach, uh, to teach you the Hebraic uh, method of, of, of ordaining a king, right? There was a three-part pattern of ascension before uh, the throne, right? There was designation, demonstration, coronation. Mm. and coronation. And the Gospels, when you study the Gospels, you see the designation when Jesus is b- baptized by John, his cousin, and an angel descends and the voice from heaven. That's his designation. This demonstration, right? And so like, that's when, that's when, um, you ever see the stories with, remember the movie 300, when he went out by himself and he came back with the wolves thing, right? There's a demonstration, right? David and Goliath. And, and his demonstration, he was in the desert for 40 days. The devil was tempting him. He was around wild animals. They said he was led by the spirit and he came home full of the spirit. Mm, easy. And that was his demonstration. There was the coronation, which we can see in the passion imagery. And so I just want to make Jesus big to y'all. I just want to make Jesus big. Because the more you look at him, the more you begin to look like him. So there's a window of what God is like, right? So I'm going to tell you something. When you want to look what God is like, you can't go chronologically. Like almost all with Genesis. Go straight to the gospel. Go straight to the gospel to see what God is like. Go to John chapter 2 and he turns the water into wine. I've preached this before. Jesus is in the building. The bride and groom, they ran out of wine. Everybody's about to start gossiping. Everybody's about to start texting each other. Everybody was about to just roast this whole groom's family. About to end his career. Remember that rap battle meme, right? I'm about to end this whole man's career. And Jesus is on the scene, and, and he turns uh, stone jars that were used for washing their hands, and somehow he turns it into wine. He just, he is the fermentation process. It was a miracle. Everybody says this was the best wine they ever drank. Overall, not only did he just replace the wine, he did it lavishly. There was like hundreds of bottles of wine. He never got the credit. No one knew. That's a lesson for some of us to remove people's shame without no one knowing. Uh Well, that's tough in this age of Instagram where everybody wants to take a selfie, right? Like, I just bought this man a donut. (laughs) Hometown hero, try one. (laughs) Nominate me. Uh (laughs) And he removed shame nobody knew. And he turned the wine better. He didn't give them leftover. He didn't give them Calvin Coolers. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> he didn't give them a purple drink. He, gave, he, he didn't give him lead He gave them something better. Did <laughs> I hear an amen? Oh, he, 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 he didn't give them St. eyes. remember? Oh my God. And you know, for some of us, Jesus won't turn our water into wine until we run out. We have to learn sometimes that self sufficiency blocks our miracles. Oh, wow. All right, so my challenge to you turn somebody's water to wine this month. Turn, uh, remove someone's shame this month and don't take any credit for it. Another we see here, so we see here that Jesus did something big, never took and then we see Jesus helped uh, a rich person. He had no resentment. Even though he, he, he grew up poor, even though he grew up in the ghetto, because one time somebody said, where is he from? Nazareth. I'm like, oh, Nazareth. What good could come out of Nazareth? Right? It's like it's like you know, it's when, when when you when you were in high school and you said what school you went to and you said Eastern District I'm like, oh okay. he, he don't know vowels <laughs> He went to Eastern District He don't he do he don't do signatures, he does X's, right? <laughs> And so he was there, but he cured a nobleman's son in John chapter 4, verse 46 through 47. That goes to show he had no resentment. I need, that's a word for somebody. There's some, there's some programming in your mind. You grew up and that, that, that programming is not aligned with the kingdom thinking. I'm going to leave it alone because the Holy Spirit is dealing with somebody already. All right, so, and then he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Older people mother-in-law's are not that popular, right? (laughs) I love my (laughs) mother-in-law. I love my (laughs) mother-in-law. But you know, from what I hear in Sitcom TV, mother-in-law's are not that popular. (laughs) And he healed an older person. And now, can I spill some tea? (laughs) This mother-in-law was related to the official through marriage of the person who did the to kill all the babies under two. Mm. Who was that? What was that, Herod? Herod? Herod. Herod? Yeah. So she was belated by marriage. So he could have been like, I can heal you. But when I have beef with you, I have beef for life. <laughs> Forever, <laughs> ever. Forever, ever. Yeah. No, he heals the mother in law. Yeah. He heals the mother in law. And then she serves her right away that's a word for somebody you'd be like oh I want everybody save himself for this person <laughs> and you know save it for the last man or second <laughs> <laughs> then in Mark chapter 1 verse 40-45 he healed the leper he healed the untouchable the person no one wanted to touch on, now listen I want you to be careful but wear your mask wah, 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 and all that stuff <laughs> but sometimes sometimes the Holy Ghost you ever felt the Holy Ghost? I was starting Ricky, Ricky. but they were singing the song, I was ready to run. But I, I didn't want to start. I didn't want to scare you guys. Call the police on me. Said, ha! Holy Ghost. I, I got this calf muscle that tears, so I had to be careful, right? <laughs> but, but listen, sometimes the Holy Spirit is touching you and there's an untouchable person. Oh, it can be a coworker that everybody's like, oh, they're about to get fired. That block is hot. Stay away from them, right? Like you walk into the break room, you see them, Whoa! <laughs> and that untouchable person. The Holy Spirit may stir you in your stomach, and you may feel all this conviction that God wants you to help them. Yes. Maybe you have to work a little overtime, help them with their files. Yes. Maybe, or maybe on a Sunday night, you'd be like, "Hey, do you want to send me that slideshow?" Maybe you want to pair of fresh eyes, right? And you help them. That's what Jesus is showing us. Healing the leper, the untouchable. But Jesus, Jesus helped the He raised the widow's son for the dead in Luke chapter 7. A poor person, a marginalized person, a stigmatized person, a person that, that, that's vulnerable. A, a, a widow, a widow woman that's about, that lost her son. She has no protection. And he raises the boy from the dead. So when he raises the point, that's not just a miracle. The miracle is that he brought protection back into her life. He brought connection back into her life. He brought life back into her life. Amen. And you know what? He didn't say, now you have to follow me. Now you apostle now you're a disciple. Now you're part of the woman that helped fundraise. Now you, now you got to roll with Mary and Mary Magic. He didn't do that. That's one thing about Jesus. That's what I try to do as a pastor. When I help people, I never try to say, now you have to be a member. Now you have to be a volunteer. Where's your tithes at, brother? <laughs> 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 right? And I've, I've helped a few people. <laughs> but I try to be like Jesus. Try to be like Jesus. He never never brought it up again. Mm -hmm. He was never at the cross saying, man, where's all the... mm, I'm grateful. Mad ungrateful. (laughs) All right, I'm almost done. Jesus preached good news to the poor. To the poor. When John the Baptist, his cousin, was in, in, in jail, when he was in jail, he sent one of his disciples in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. And the disciple says, are you the Messiah or should we be expecting someone else? Because John is his cousin. John is the, for- the forerunner. John baptized him. John told everybody he's the Lamb of God. And now he's in jail. He's in jail. And he says, mm, Jesus. Hello? <laughs> Can you go b- 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 open the door? And, and you know, God's done it for other apostles in the book of Acts. And you know what Jesus says? He, sa- he tells us, he this. he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. The good news. That was his demographic. He said the good news is to the rich and hopefully the rich tell the poor. He said the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blesses anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And then you know what John said? He must increase, I must decrease. Amen. The poor. So, you know, I thank God for social media because sometimes it brings awareness to me. So remember the fad? I think you remember because you was in Texas when this happened. It was big in Texas. When they said, go to Starbucks and pay for the coffee for the person behind you. Remember? Right? And then uh, we were ordering short cups, right? Short, black, drips. First behind me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dropping, you know, the devil is a liar. you know, a wine, miracle for that one. And so, but then you know they say now? They say, no, buy the buy, tip the person in front of you. Because the person behind you know how much everything costs. Boy, yeah. Because a brother like uh, Captain Pops, my dad, he don't, he don't go to Starbucks. <laughs> He's a 50, uh, I don't know what that is. It's too much money, right? He's a 50 cent coffee, green cup kind of guy. I love New York cup kind of guy, right? And so they said, buy the person in front of you. Because that person is trying to make a living wage. And sometimes our brothers in Starbucks take advantage of the poor, right? And so I just want to bring, the poor is not always the most destitute. It could be the low-wage earners that are all around you. Yeah. It could be the person at the coffee shop you go to, yeah. the person working off the books at the deli when you order your bacon, egg, and cheese. It could be, it could be a coworker that's been a temp and part-time at your job forever. Yeah. Or it could be somebody just pouring resources. My Uncle Dave, he's, he was like the pastor at his job, helped so many people. Because they have money, but they were poor in understanding, they were poor in awareness, they were poor in resources. And so you just spend this time just helping people. And so I just want to challenge you. When you're helping the poor, it doesn't always have to mean the homeless person. It could just be the low-wage earner at the dry cleaner. Mm -hmm. It could be the person at the coffee cart, right? It could be the delivery cart at the driver. Okay, we done, we done. The last thing, I'm stealing something from Pastor Tim Keller. Um, so to give context when Paul got saved he got saved immediately I know Sister Angelica she came from a high committed church Paul didn't ask what's in it for me what do I have to do he just says like God says Paul why are you doing this he said who you is he said I'm Jesus he said what do I gotta do cause Paul was an action kind of guy he was all action amen And there's some people in the world who are all action, and then they get saved and they have like a 10-year case of analysis paralysis. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And we got to bring action for the kingdom. And, and, And Tim Keller said this, if you're looking at Christianity by start, by looking at Jesus' life as it is shown to us in the Gospels, especially the resurrection, don't Begin as modern people do by asking yourself if Christianity fits into who you are. If the resurrection happened, then there is a God who created you for himself and ultimately, yes, Christianity fits you whether you can see it now or not. If he's real and risen, then just like Paul, even though he had none of the answers to any of the questions, you'll have to say. What do you have me do, Lord? What do you want me to do, Lord? And so that's the last thing I wanted to say. For some of us, we've been around the kingdom of God a long time. When that gets get to the point in our life, what do you want me to do, Lord? And I'm going to tell you what the Lord wants you to do. He wants you to bear fruit. Mm. He wants you to be the salt. He wants you to be the light. Mm. He wants you to get in your word. He wants you to learn to be poor in spirit, to rely on him. And as you begin to study the Gospels, you begin to open the window of what you could do. How you could bless someone rich around you, but they're poor in love. How you could bless a poor person, a handicapped person, a widow, someone with cancer. And then you would begin to start helping the kingdom of God. I'm done. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. And for a moment, I want you to think about what, if the Lord is trying to get your attention this way. I know I said a lot, and maybe one thing is for somebody here, and one thing was for somebody there. Maybe it was something Petey said, he was excited. Maybe it was something in the song. But I would love for you to leave this place with an injection of faith. I would love for you to leave this place and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve you? What do I have to give up to go up, to grow up? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I pray for these beautiful people, Lord God. And I pray that you will be big in their life. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you, Lord God, that you redeem the cosmos. People are loved whether they know it or not. People are redeemed whether they know it or not. But we're just a a group of people that know it, that chose to come together for this time. And I pray that you would give us something to do, someone to love. And that you you will help those who are here. Those who are struggling with addiction and no one knows. Those struggling with depression and no one knows. Trauma, insecurity. I pray you release your healing. But as we're getting healed, that we will learn to be wounded healers ourselves. And that we will learn to help others. And that we'll learn to live our life as a worship unto you. We give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want my beautiful wife Anna to come up. She's gonna dismiss us. I want to say a happy birthday shout out to my sister from another Mister. Is it Antonio's birthday today? Yeah, and and Antonio's birthday just passed to Santos family. With my cup full. And it's so good to have each and every one of you here with us in person.